Welcome to The Numbers Game. I'm Jace, and I'm joined by Nick and Marty. How are we going today, boys? Going well, Jace. Feeling good today. I've uh, been doing a little bit of reading on the Berkshire Hathaway annual letter and feeling pumped, also feeling depressed because I'll never be able to do what they do, <laughs> but I will leverage them for all it's worth. So I'm going to chat about that today. So excited to hear what you boys think about that. Nick, how are you going, my friend? You well? I'm going well, mate. I'm actually really looking forward to this. I know that uh, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are probably two of your biggest heroes. What I'm looking forward to more is you divulging how many shares you actually have in Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> how much well, are they well, worth? What I'll, say, what, I, what, what I'll say is I've got 75% in Berkshire and uh, 25% in Microsoft, but um, <laughs> they're, they're not – I haven't got enough. <laughs> I haven't got enough. We are digressing a bit before Jace tells us how he is, but you don't have to buy a full share, can you? Isn't there like a B-class share now where you can get in a little bit cheaper? Because the share's worth yeah, 450 you- grand, right? Like yeah, the, the, the A shares are worth four fifty eight. I think the B shares you can get for about three hundred and ten bucks. Okay. And I, I can tell you about why they did that. They just didn't want people going into EFTs and getting it. They wanted people to be able to, you know, have these these purchase opportunities to buy into the company. So it's just a smidgen of the A shares, but it tracks on the same levels pretty much. It tracks on the same level, same dividends and whatnot. Yeah, that's right. That's yep. right. So there's no disadvantage, and you can uh, you can change your A shares into B shares as well. You can convert mm. them. So um, for whatever reason, you can you can do that. Some people want to do that. Let's hope for you so. and me, mate. The common people on that's this podcast. There is I've hope. only got Bs. I've only got Bs. All right. So that's a hit. That's a hit. I've got to make a lot more money. I don't believe you. Anyway. Jace, how are you? Guys, I'm well. I'm really good. Life's good. It's, uh, I know it depends when you're listening, but March 23, when we're recording this, uh, we're again still on the road to 100 episodes. I think at episode 57, I was really ready to raise the bat and we've just had to keep chipping away, just playing a straight bat and you know, getting those singles and, and here we are, we're nearly there, but, um, no, really, really good. It's, um, lots, always lots of interesting things happening in the accounting and finance world. And, uh, that's a nice little segue into our show's sponsor today, Innovate. Um, so that you only get so far listening to the numbers game I was thinking before. And if you actually want to take that next step in the journey and actually get your financial world in order or get your finances sorted with some loans, commercial, cars and equipment, the team at Innovate will definitely be able to help you out. It's innovayt.com.au. Go and check the team out. Um, excited for today's show. I think it's always really interesting when um, Marty sends through his pre-show notes and, and he's excited about things and there's nothing more that gets Marty more excited than this. So throwing to you, Marty, what have you been reading and what are you going to be sharing today? Well, it's a, it's, it's a great thing to do for anyone. If you go to the Berkshire Halfway annual letter that Warren Buffett produces for his shareholders, there is always gold. And uh, you can go back to 1965 and there's just uh, some great lessons and learnings throughout. And why my interest in it is because I've probably done the opposite to what they do. Yeah, always compulsive, always looking for that next big win. And I know it's cost me over the journey. And, you know, in my 40s, I wanted to be much more disciplined. And, you know, when I read their letters, it just uh, reinforces their patience, uh, how they look at value, how they hold long term. And it's just a really good sort of mentorship for anything, like whether you're buying property or shares. And this is in no way investment advice. Let me put that 
uh, out there. It's just looking at a letter and learning from that letter some some gold. So that's what we're going to share. And look, I, I look at I look at even what Berkshire did in their returns in 2022. They were 4.1 percent up, and the S and P 500, which is top 500 companies in the US, were down 18.1 percent. So that's wow. pretty, you know, that's pretty significant. But to sort of give you some scope on a longer term, if you look at the compounded annual gains from 1965 to 2022, um, you're looking at the S&P 500, and this is with dividends being paid out and included at 9.9%, which is very serviceable, nothing mm. wrong with that. Uh, but when you look at Berkshire Hathaway, they're at 19.8%. So, you know, virtually double, which is quite wow. extraordinary given the amounts of money they deal with. So um, the benefit of that cash-wise, 100000 invested for 25 years. The S&P 500 will bring you $1 million and six. $1,060,000 over that 25-year period. And um, because of the compounding effect with Berkshire Hathaway, that 100000 would be 9.15 mil. So you That's can incredible. just see the compounding benefit of, um, of really just staying the course. Uh, the stock, a Berkshire stock in 1965 was $19.00. And their A share is now 456,254. Wouldn't you like to have collected a couple of those shares back mm-hmm. in uh, 1965? Marty, you could have bought them. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I didn't have much coming through the depression, right? So I had to, <laughs> uh, I had to build back up. So now that I'm 128 years old. <laughs> So thanks, Jens. But here's a great example, the secret source, and I'll, I'll use one company that they invested in to give you an example of how they think about business. Uh, so Berkshire completed seven-year purchase of 400 million shares of Coca-Cola back in 1994. They spent $1.3 billion, which at the time was a very meaningful investment for Berkshire. Um, the cash dividend they received from Coke in 1994 was 75 million dollars. Now we go forward to 2022. So what are we? It's about 18 years later. What's that? 20? No, more. 28 years later, the dividend has increased to 704 million, and growth occurred every year, just as certain as birthdays. And and it was, it's quite amazing to think that that was. That they they could have two years of dividends to pay for their initial purchase price, which is quite remarkable. But what's even more important is when you look at what the capital growth is in the stock itself, apart from the dividend, that is now worth that one point three billion is worth twenty five billion dollars. So, which wow. is quite extraordinary. Um, and when you think about, so just let me take you to a term deposit, right? So let's say he would have invested in a term deposit. He would have got his, you know, 75 million a year on his, whatever the investment rate was at the time, but that capital growth would have remained where it was at 1.3 billion. He never would have got the upsize. So upside. So he's got enough confidence in buying value. He wants to make sure the companies are going to be around for a long, long time. And it's a great, it's a great lesson in find a great investment that's going to be around forever at a great price and just let the company do the work for you. So without going on to the next bit, guys. 
What do you think about that initial piece? I think that's a great lesson there in property or shares for that matter. I read that letter that you sent through and there's a paragraph I really liked, which I'll share when you're done and, and why I like it. But the thing I liked about the letter was how humble he was. Like he basically said, we haven't done anything special. We haven't made any bold predictions. We've just bought really good companies and mm. we've, we've stuck to those companies. And the two main ones were Coca-Cola and Microsoft. Um, but the big thing with him, and you've always told me this, Marty, is he invests in people and you know he buys businesses and he brings them into the Berkshire um, ecosystem. And um, yeah, he's, his theory around investing in people and those people will take the businesses forward doesn't go for the – uh, for the next big thing, whether it's um, lithium or some sort of resource or green energy, just invests in good businesses with good cash flows and holds onto them and reinvests. And it's um, a really simple strategy. And again, I loved how he actually pointed that out, that they don't do anything crazy. It's just simple and they just rinse and repeat. So that's, that, that's what I took out of that letter that you sent through. Well, they have most of their friends' money in that in Berkshire halfway, including their own, and all the owners of those businesses own huge stakes of Berkshire as well. So they feel very responsible. And I love the fact that they, you know, they buy businesses outright as part of their strategy and reinvest those dividends. And then they buy, you know, you know, percentage shares in existing companies that do the work for them. And I was thinking about the benefit too in regards to they don't pay out dividends, so they just work on growing that company's value and they think in time people will be smart enough to see that value and mm. want want to buy in. But what I like about that, that if you are on, you know, the higher tax brackets, you're growing your wealth not through dividends where you'll have to pay tax on those dividends, you're growing your wealth through capital appreciation. So it works really, really well mm. for people that, you know, don't necessarily want to be paying more tax. And the last thing I'll say about that is, I'm not going to invest those dividends as successfully as they will. They're the greatest investors in the world and mm. they're training up the next greatest investors in the world. So I've got – if I tried to duplicate – and people have. People try and duplicate their strategy. But again, the way they invest, they might be humble. They have a real, real system going on what they will do and they will do that ultra successfully and um, it's just – very challenging to duplicate. So why would you? Why wouldn't you just allow them to do what they do? And what the other thing I like is just the spreading of risk because they have legitimate businesses they own 100% of and they own you know major companies, they're going to be around forever in a day. It's like 128 of the 500 or so companies didn't make a profit but they still had massive returns. They still grow. They know they'll make profits down the track and they'll reinvest accordingly to make more cash flow upside on those new investments they buy. So even though there's a lot more money there and people say, oh, they'll struggle to make those returns into the future, they just invest those dividends into you know those companies coming through, those great companies for the future as well. So there's a lot of elements and doing a lot of reading around it that I've actually enjoyed and and it's given me different scope in regards to how I think about business and and you know just staying the course for you know building great a great company and being a part of great companies. So yeah, that that's my two cents on that. Uh, Jace, anything to add? Look, I'm just blown away by the numbers, and I know we're called the numbers game, and we're a couple of guys that all work in numbers a lot. But it's not until you like you get to hear it said out loud and 
it really hits, you know, when when the the show headline we wrote down was buy value, play the long game. This is just the epitome, just the greatest example of playing the long game and and buying value, you know, actually understanding the fundamentals of the company you're investing in and having a long-term plan. None of this get rich quick kind of schemes that we see a lot with whether it's cryptocurrency and other stuff going on. Like these are just smart people that have stood the test of time and you know, throwing back to it though, like, you know, hundred grand for 25 years, 9 million with Berkshire, Berkshire versus 1 million in the S and P. Um, pretty incredible. And that's that, you know, like people who want to make investment decisions that don't know where to look or where to start. This is a great example of the power of, you know, ETFs and managed funds, things like that. So love the message you're sharing, Marty. Not, not the be all end all right for everyone, but it's just, it's just good to take note. And the other thing I admire, he, he, you know, he walks the walk. He bought his house in 19, I think it was 1963, 64. He still owns that same house. So, you know, here's me trying to upscale, Incredible. paying, you know, 30 grand agents fees every time you sell, paying another 50000 to the government to mm, upscale, duty. Love try that. and look a bit better, you know. <laughs> but when you, when you really fundamentally think about it, you go, we all try and do that, right? We all try to get ahead. And they go, he just stays the course, buys the house he wants at the time and, you know, he's, he's got time in the game and that's the that's the winning formula there. So he does that even on his own property, which I think is uh, yeah, another fantastic – and, like, when I've seen people, you know, build wealth, I've seen people that bought in Northgate for, you know, 160 grand in the 90s and now it's worth $2 million. And, you know, sitting pretty. They only had to pay 140 grand of debt, you know. Debt, uh, so yeah, yeah, you, you you see that, and then you you know you bring it back to this, and it makes total sense. So, um, and what's the line? The weeds wither away in significance as the flowers bloom. Yeah, I like that line. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah invest wisely. So yeah, I, I read this last night, and I think there was nine pages, Marty, um, roughly, yep. and there was there was one paragraph that really stood out to me as a business owner, and I. I actually wanted to share it because I think we've got, well, I know we've got a lot of business owners um, who listen. So I just read this paragraph and I went, geez, that is exactly what I should be thinking about in our business. So I thought uh, we should definitely share it. So I'm going to read it and then I'll just give you an idea of why I think it's so, um, why it's so powerful. But the paragraph is, that's for the future. Uh, Berkshire will always hold a boatload of cash and US treasury bills along with a wide array of businesses. We'll also avoid behaviour that could result in any uncomfortable cash needs at inconvenient times, including financial panics and unprecedented insurance losses. Our CEO will always be the chief risk officer. Uh, that task is irresponsible to delegate. Additionally, our future CEO, CEOs will have a significant part of their net worth in Berkshire shares bought with their own money. And yes, our shareholders will continue to save and prosper by retaining earnings. At Berkshire, there will be no finish line. So I just read that and I just went, wow. Like that is, if you, as a CEO or a business leader, if you own your own business out there, if you just kept that paragraph in the back of your mind and read it once a week, you'll make some fantastic decisions. And I've just got some notes here. So he talks about uh, the boatload of cash and US Treasury bills. So, you know, cash is king. Uh, Cash, I I just thought about our business. Cash can get you through hard times. Cash can prevent you making wrong decisions at the wrong time. Cash allows you to take advantage of opportunities, so acquisitions and, and, and whatnot during tougher times. 
And then cash flow issues prevent you focusing on what you do really well as a business owner, um, which is building a business. It's stressful and time consuming if you're managing money and trying to play around with cash flow. So cash is king, huge. That that was number one. It's the CEO is is a risk is the risk officer, and that actually made me think about myself in in my mm. business. And we've got so many risks that are attached to our business because we deal with people's money and we deal with a lot of data. Um, and Marty, you'll attest to this, but I constantly say risk and data breaches are the one thing that keeps me up at night. So, um, yep, hear that. Yeah, the CEO being the risk officer is something I'm going to implement, and I'd still drive it, but I'm going to be more across it. Um, cause it's the one thing that can end your business. I think before like cash flow and sales and expenditure, you can control these things. External risks you generally can't control. You've just got to make sure that you've got boundaries up to prevent the downside. So that was another really big thing, um, that I took from it. A CEO, a CEO should be invested. Um, that way the CEO makes decisions that benefit the company as a whole. Um, the CEO will then think about the company's long-term uh, viability and long-term growth versus just their tenure at that business, which might be you know five Great to eight point. years, um, and the CEO being invested with their own money. They've got skin in the game. They don't feel like, mm. well, I didn't pay for that equity, so who really cares? By CEO investing and buying those shares, they're all in, and they're show- they're saying that they believe in the story. Like I've done some investments um, in IPOs and seed seed capital raising and whatnot, and you always look for the CEOs or the leaders of the business to be continuously buying shares because that just says that they're really confident in what they're doing and that then gives the other shareholders confidence uh, that the business is going to go forward in the right way if the leaders are backing the business. And the no finish line, and I think about this all the time, and Marty, we have conversations about this and I get asked all the time, well, what's what's the end game with Innovate? Um, surely you'll sell it. and I think, well, why, why would you sell it? Like if you're really happy in the business and mm. you're growing the business and the, and the business is allowing you to, to grow as an individual and, and make more money and do what you want to do, then why does there need to be a finish line? Um, and I think about his line around reinvesting um, earnings. So you reinvest your earnings so you can, then you can grow the business and for myself, like my role continuously changes in the business. So I don't feel like I need to, to sell because, because I'm cooked and I need to get out. Like everything keeps changing um, as the business grows and we keep growing at Marty. So if there are business owners out there listening, you know, how do you make sure there's no finish line for you? You just keep building your business and your role will continuously change. So, you know, you're not creating a job for yourself. You're creating a, a business. Yeah, and if you keep a, growing A legacy it, too. A legacy, yeah. and it just becomes exciting as you build it and you start to do different things. So that paragraph is going to go somewhere where I can see it all the time, and I reckon I'm going to read it, if not weekly, at least at least once a month because it's um, yeah, I just found it really powerful and underpins how you should run a business. Yeah, and there was a stat I saw the other day too that 54% of businesses that have a cyber breach are pretty much cooked within 18 months because of the oh, significance wow. of the damage. So it's, it's huge if uh, – 
someone gets in. So chief risk officer is yeah, very, very important. <laughs> very important. I want to be- beautifully said, Nick, some great points there. Uh, the other thing out of the letter that I really enjoyed is uh, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett have uh, are tied as, as anything. They've been great mates and great business partners for a long time. And he writes about that nothing beats having a great business partner. This is why I call on Nick a lot of the time too, uh, just to iron out uh, some of the curly things that I go through. Uh, But I think he's got some great lines here. One of the lines that Charlie Munger would say is, the world is full of foolish gamblers and they will not do well as a patient investor. Um, I I think that's that's so true. How many times are we looking for a a quick win? Uh, We Mm -hmm. want to get a quick win under our belt rather than having a strategy that we believe in and that we just go all in on and keep advancing that strategy. Uh, so true. Uh, the other line I like, all I want to know is where I'm going to die so I never go there. That's that's a part of that risk uh, process. Know where you're going to get burnt at the stake and sure as hell make sure you've got strategy to mitigate going into those places. Um, you know, big. Uh, patience can be learned. Having a long attention span and the ability to concentrate on one thing for a long time is a huge advantage. So again, there's always complexity within the one strategy. It's like you said, Nick, your your role changes within Innovate, but it's still Innovate. Mm. So again, it's quite easy to have four different business ideas in different ventures and all sorts of things. But as we've talked about previously, that can be a distraction instead of something you hone in on and just leverage and create great value and legacy. And, uh, and one of my favourites is don't bail away in a sinking boat if you can swim to one that is seaworthy. I really like that, like pushing bad money after bad money, like playing the pokies, you know, trying to get your win back. Not a good strategy. Uh, Any comments on those guys? There's some great lines from Charlie Munger there. They're all brilliant. There's more. There's so many of them that you put in the show notes, and I've kind of read ahead, read ahead a few, and just learned they look. And having a business partner as well that you can get along really well with and are so aligned with is so important. And it's obviously very clear they've got an insanely great relationship. Um, they are all brilliant. A company, a great company, keeps working after you are not a mediocre. A mediocre company won't do that. That one, you know. Yeah. Along with what, he, what uh, the end of the letter, um, Nick, what was it, how is it worded? The the end of the, the CEO letter built for a lifetime, or uh, there there will be no finish line. No finish line. So that that's that's along the same thing. And even even when I heard you say no finish line, it's like if you think there's a finish line or an ending to your business, you're going to make short term decisions or short sighted decisions over that. Whereas if you go, you know, when when we first started our first version of the accounting firm, we talked about you know, the the letters or the brand of our firm being on the side of a building in a hundred years without us having to be there to run it. You know, you look at KPMG and PwC and EY and Grant Thornton, all these names and letters on buildings. Those people that founded those businesses aren't there anymore. And if they are, they sure as shit aren't doing tax returns, you know, at five o'clock on a Thursday afternoon, right? So we we had that mindset of going, well, how can we build something that will be here in a hundred years, even after we're gone? So that mindset that they've got is is yeah, that's the bit I take out of that. Yeah, and I and I've asked Nick that you know question to, straight to him. I said, 
what's your play? Are you looking at an exit because, or you're looking at, you know, just continuing along the path? Because again, like you said, Jace, it's really important. The strategy changes. If, if, if you want a short-term exit, then you've got a different strategy approach to if you're building a legacy and something that stands the test of time. Michael Hill Jewelers, I always remember that he had a 99-year business plan. I was mm. always so – I admired that process because he was creating a legacy for generations and I'd never heard that before. Um, so I thought that was – yeah, that was really good. And I like um, – I like in the fact that, um, you know, even though, well, you do this for me, I waffle on a bit, Nick, but you could cut through and get to something in one sentence and Geordie can do that as well. So I can give you my intuitive thought process around something and you guys just knock it knock it right in the head and get to the point, which I really like. Saves me a lot of time. Just have to say it once. It is all gold <laughs> though. We just summarise it for you. Let's be yeah. clear about that. <laughs> But that's what that's what helps. I, mm. you know, it's it shortcuts my intuition and and my experience, which I really I really admire that that um, that assistance. So yeah, so I think yeah, some great lines there, and I think um, you know, there's so many there. Anyone, any stand out for you, Nick? That you? Oh, you no, I just, I'm just part? I'm just in love with that paragraph. You know. I don't want to complicate <laughs> it. <laughs> um, I, I just find their relationship incredible. And I just find, you know, you've told me a lot of the stories about some of the small businesses that they've bought. And that's why I mentioned um, investing in people because yeah, they bought some reasonably small businesses, right? Yeah. Um, but they invest in business owners. So they buy businesses where the business owner is still very much involved um, because they know they're going to get maximum output and maximum results. Um, so that that is something that's um, that I'm very interested in because yeah, again, you've you've told me quite a few stories. Um, I think the one that comes to mind is the the textile lady. Am I? Is that right? The lady, uh, the furniture lady. The furniture yeah. lady. Yeah, that's she was her. dyslexic. She yeah. couldn't. Uh, she came out from Russia and you know, twenty bucks to her name and saved up enough to you know, eventually buy her own store and it was just great customer service and mm. product. And mm. uh, other people had the product but she just had incredible customer service and her whole family did and she made absolute uh, millions uh, when Berkshire bought them out. And it was funny, Warren went to her house, I always remember the story, when and all her furniture was in her house. Like she was so congruent, loved the furniture that much that it when it still had the price tags on it mm. in her house because she loved the fact that she was selling this mm. furniture. It was a dream of hers. Great and story. um yeah. And and she retired, I think, when she was something like uh, don't quote me exactly, but she was something like 102 <laughs> and died the next year, which he yeah. says, you know, it's a, it's a good example of not to retire, keep doing what you love to do. And and I, the other thing I really like is that, um, you know, Charlie Munger brings a lot of value to him, uh, Warren Buffett, but, but um, the other thing that Charlie does is make Warren laugh. Mm. So, again, you want to have you want to be strategic, but you also want to have fun with your business partners as well, and keep each other in good humour. Because again, you're going to face challenges and crisis, and I know that if you're smiling at them, even when they hurt, you can manoeuvre through them a lot more effectively than carrying that stress yourself as well. And that's that's a line that he's written in the letter. But I, you know, I've always felt that with good business partners, uh, you know. 
when you're smiling at a problem, you'll generally, no matter how much how painful it is, you can work through it with strategy pretty effectively rather than getting stuck in the crisis. So, mm. yeah, really important point too. Marty, the line here, you have to keep learning if you want to become a great investor. When the world changes, you must change. Where do our listeners go to read all this gold? Yeah, just go to the Berkshire Hathaway website. Just type it in Google and go shareholder letters. And it's got everyone there from 1965 to 2022. And every one of them has something like this one here that you take away you learn something about business, but you also learn about the psychology of people and the psychology of investing as well, backed by by actual science, backed by numbers. So it's um, it's it's a great read. And like I said, I'm reading it because I sure as hell haven't got it right in 50 years. Mm. But I want to make sure the next 50, uh, you know, uh, are much more along these lines. And wish I had a read it a hell of a lot earlier. So even if you're in your early 20s, um, I'd recommend you. Uh, like I said, it's not a long read. It's probably only a 10, 15-minute read and it could change the course of your life like we do here at The Numbers Game. Correct. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing, Marty, and until next time... Game over. Game over.